Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the reunion of Final Fantasy VII Remake Podcast. I am your host, Kai, and joining me once again today is my incredible co-host, Viz. How are you doing, Viz? Hello, everyone. I'm pretty good, pretty good. And those who have um, seen the announcement know why I'm excited for today's episode. And Mm -hmm. for those who don't, (laughs) we'll see soon. (laughs) Absolutely. And exactly the same with me. I'm super excited uh, for today's episode. So guys, the best way to support us here is to like, sub, and share the podcast. Hop on over to our YouTube channel if you haven't done so already and subscribe. And also you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts because we are literally available on all of them. All right, guys. So today, like we said, we are so excited because we have three incredibly special guests here with us today for this episode. We have the voice actors from Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrades episode intermission. Daniel Ammerman, the voice of Poke. David Goldstein, the voice of Billy Bob. And also Griffin Poitou, the voice of GJ. So welcome. How are you guys? Hey. Hey, guys. What's up? Happy to be here. <laughs> welcome, welcome. No one's ever called me incredibly special before. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. Nothing but. He does this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so for today's episode, I thought what we would do is we might get to know each of you a little bit better by diving a little bit into each of your backgrounds and experience with voice acting. Uh, for example, like where you guys got your start. And then we might move into a little bit more specific discussion about Final Fantasy, your history with uh, Final Fantasy, the franchise, and Final Fantasy VII. And after that, Viz and I have some uh, particular questions for you regarding episode intermission. And then also we had some listener questions as well that were submitted uh, via Twitter and our Discord server. So we'll be talking to you about those as well. Sweet. Awesome. Can't wait. Nice. So as I said, we're first going to start off by talking about each of your history and experience with voice acting. So uh, let's go ahead and start with David. So maybe just give our listeners just a brief history about when you started with voice acting and just a little bit of detail. Was it something that you always wanted to do or kind of found your way into this career happenstance or or what happened there? Sure. Um, I kind of I came to it late. Uh it was 2014 when I first took a workshop uh, where uh, a voice acting uh, coach was explaining his process, and I had never really been exposed to it before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm 42 at that point. I've been mostly doing improv, um, trying to do on camera with very, very little success, and didn't know that voiceover was an option for me, really. I mean, I grew up you know, loving Mel Blanc and, and, and those kind of, and all the voices of my childhood. And of course the Simpsons and Hank Azaria, Dan Castellano and all those Mm -hmm. people, I didn't know it was an option that I could even pursue. Um, and then I did this workshop. I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. This, this is a whole other side of the business that I haven't even explored yet. Um, so as I do with most things in my life, I overly researched everything. Um, all the different coaches out there, all the equipment and everything. And I just dove head first Uh, found a commercial coach, uh, the great Nancy Wilson. um, And about six months into her, I got my first national uh, commercial campaign, um, which (laughs) is 
It's like the first time you go to Vegas and you gamble and you win, you think, oh, this is easy. I'll win every time. Uh, <laughs> right out of the gate, I get uh, a national campaign and I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm going to be booking left, right and center. And it's uh, obviously not that. <laughs> so I, I've been keep working. I've been studying uh, animation and game VO with um, Donna Grillo, who's a great director, and recently with Richard Horvitz, who's a really great uh, coach and actor um, and was able to get an agent again through a workshop like this where the uh Vanessa Gilbert mm-hmm. who's longtime agent in this business um saw me read and and signed me up and then after a few months she sent me this audition um for Final Fantasy and we got it and it's really only mm-hmm. my third game credit um I've been doing this now for about 6 7 years and uh unlike these other guys you have on your cast I'm I'm really kind of just at the beginning of the process but um you got to start mm-hmm. somewhere right you know, as far as you got to start somewhere and you might as well start with Final Fantasy, Ooh, I yeah, think. Absolutely. For sure. Right? <laughs> Great jumping off point, I must say. Yeah, it's all, I think it's all downhill from here. But um, yeah, <laughs> that's, hope that's <laughs> there's hopefully short version of my story. <laughs> that's amazing. And also, I saw that, I guess, you had joined a Celtic punk band. Yeah. And you <laughs> toured, like, before you started. And I, I looked that up, and I was like, wow, that sounds yeah. amazing. And also, you play accordion. Well, the, I'll try and keep this short as well. So I was with <laughs> what is what was originally called Improv Olympic, which was now called I.O. West uh, Improv Theater. I was there with them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my friends out of there started a sketch show, and from that sketch show... He one of his sketches was about an Irish band, and out of that sketch grew. Mm-hmm. He said, well, "Let's just make a real band." I didn't play an <laughs> instrument, but I really wanted to be a part of this group. So the first thing I said is, "Well, what do you guys need that you don't have?" And they said, "Well, we could use a fiddle player." So I bought a cheap fiddle. I found a fiddle instructor and realized right after that first lesson, this is going to take me ten years. I can't do this. <laughs> oh, what yeah. else do you guys need? And they said, "Well, we could we could do accordion because the Pogues have James Fernley's accordion. Uh, Flog and Molly has Matt Hensley." So I found an accordion shop in Atwater Village, an area of L.A., and told him, look, I want to be in this punk band. What, what do you think I should do? He said, well, let's forget about the button side. You don't need it. That's basses and chords. You won't hear it anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's just worry about the piano side. Which So I'm basically playing a one-handed piano. And I got to the point where just write out the music for me. Tell me where my fingers need to go, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be good. And that's basically what, I, what for five years I just without really learning how to read music or how to properly play, I just make mm-hmm. f- f- my way through it. And then I also quickly became the tour manager, the graphic designer, the merch. Like I basically did every job for wow. this band and we got to do Warp Tour in 2010. Um, we did a couple of our DIY or across the country tours. We opened for Dropkick Murphys on St. Patrick's Day one year. It was nice. great. Wow. I don't advise... At 37, I was 37 when I did it. I had a staff job. I quit that staff job to join the band. I, this was during the mm-hmm. age of MySpace when literally no one bought records anymore. Oh. And mm-hmm. so as a financial decision, it wasn't a great one, but I got to see the country. I got to play music for five years. Um, yeah, it's, I, I don't advise it in your late 30s, early 40s <laughs> to pick up as a musician. Uh, it's... Um, mm-hmm. Unless you love it. Um, what am I, who am I? I'm not going to tell you not to do it. Yeah, you know, if you love it, do it. But oh, sure. uh, yeah, that's, that was my detour uh, for about five years. That's incredible. And the fact that you got to play at, at uh, Warped Tour is amazing. That's incredible because it's, I, I think it's over now. They don't yeah, they don't Warped do it anymore. anymore. It was, um, 
the best, ex- one of the best experiences of my life. It, it, the, everyone wow. who, who was ever involved with that thing deserves kudos. It was exceptionally well run, hot as heck. I wore a full suit and we're, you know, <laughs> we had to get up at super early, pace the place with our posters so people would come to our show. The hottest we did was in Arizona at four o'clock. I think it was 114 and I'm playing accordion in a full suit directly in the oh sun. My God. But you know what? It was, uh, it's a story I can tell and it was a lot of fun. For sure it is, yeah. <laughs> That's an incredible experience. And I totally understand where you're coming from there as well, because I am a musician, actually. And outside of this, I do have a band. And uh, it's a rock band, but I totally hear you. It's really hard. It's very, you, very you hard. You need to be able to drop everything, go wherever they want you, mm-hmm. be, sleep Absolutely. on someone's floor. Like, you can't be precious about it early <laughs> on. And we were older, we had, yeah. you know, homes and families and things, so we weren't necessarily in that position to just hop in a van and go wherever. Yep. But if you can, exactly. do it. It's, and the easiest, the easiest part was the actual playing of the music itself. That's when everything else went away. We just played, had mm-hmm. fun. Uh, and it was, for that alone, it was worth it. Oh, for sure, yeah. I was also in a, in a band at school, in a high school, I think it was. And it was pretty much pretty fun in this uh, half a year. Um, practicing all the time and then at the end at the uh, mm-hmm. big celebration of uh, former students we got to uh, to play in front of everyone it was really great mm-hmm. i played the drums by the way <laughs> nice i started playing drums when i was a kid i didn't stick with it i wish i did i'm now teaching my daughter how to play drums she's five <laughs> cool uh that's that's really wow. we're making her we're making her stay nice nice that's awesome All right, so let's go ahead. We'll move over to Daniel. So same question to you, Daniel. So how did you get your start with voice acting and a little bit about your background there? Like, was it something you always wanted to do? Uh, So my background is not that dissimilar from David's. I I basically started doing uh, stage performance. So I started doing plays in middle school and high school and college, and then I moved out to L.A. And I was doing kind of like, TV film focus and doing some plays and doing improv mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And then at a certain point, I realized that there was this whole other <laughs> industry <laughs> that used a lot of the same skills, but didn't, it, there was no like natural, no one was going to ask you to just like start doing voiceover. You kind of have to be a little bit more active in pursuing it. And so I, I just kind of started doing a ton of research mm-hmm. and, um, and just it was it's like the type of thing where if you have the time to I, I read on there's this great voice actor named D Bradley Baker who's in like American Dad and he does like all these crazy creature noises and <laughs> he uh, has a website where he kind of just gives advice to starting voice actors and so I was pouring through okay. his site and one thing that he said on there that I always think about is like if you're an actor and you're thinking uh of your whole acting career as like a war effort, like you're a general uh, operating an army. Think of opening up, uh, like starting voice acting as opening up a whole other battlefront, like trying to invade a whole other country. Don't think of it as like send yeah. two of your two of your soldiers and hope it'll be okay. <laughs> like you gotta, <laughs> you have to like really dedicate a lot of resources, and it was very time intensive, but. The nice thing about voiceover is that it's a lot more individually oriented, and so you can really push it ahead in a way that you can't Mm -hmm. with on-camera acting, even just insofar as 
you can do so you you can do tens of auditions a day if you want to with with voice mm-hmm. acting whereas if you get like an audition a week for TV you're a very successful actor cuz none of my friends mm-hmm. get that many auditions a week so it it's you can have a little bit more feel of control, like you're actually pushing your career forward within voice acting. And so now I do both. I, I do voice acting stuff uh, pretty much as kind of a, a daily thing because after a certain point you just build up enough um, where, you know, you get you get a booth yeah. at home and you can kind of just have that be your kind of daily grind. And then uh, I do TV film stuff or stage stuff uh, when it comes up. Uh, less frequently, but uh, still, you know, doing all of that different stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I also know that you have a podcast, right? It's Stone Cold Classic, where yeah. you talk about like old Hollywood classics, foreign movies, um, art house films as well. Yeah. So the thing that kind of got me really wanting to even be, move to LA or just be in movies or act in general is I had started doing musicals and, and stuff in high school, but when I really started watching great films, I just had this feeling where I was like, I want to contribute to that in some capacity uh, because I just had so many experiences of being so moved by great movies. And, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, great modern movies and there's a lot of uh, podcasts talking about those movies. But mm-hmm. I find that, uh, and there's also a lot of really bad movies and great podcasts talking about those bad <laughs> movies. <laughs> but there, we, a couple of my comedy buddies and I uh, would get together all the time and watch these movies that were like old, like from the 40s, 50s, 60s, or foreign mm-hmm. films, or just things that uh, maybe young people aren't necessarily finding uh, naturally through mainstream media, but the type of stuff that is incredible and life-changing if you have some sort of like cool older cousin to be like, hey, you got to watch... <laughs> persona <laughs> or whatever yeah uh, and so we we kind of after watching these movies on our own for a while and being like we're all comedians and one of them is a tv writer and one of them is a cartoonist and i'm an actor and so we were like what if we just do <laughs> what if we record our our post movie conversations so that's essentially what we do now um and so we do this podcast mm-hmm. to try to introduce um a, another you know generation of people to the type of movies that are really worth watching, but that you might not stumble across on your own. Sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Might check it out. Yeah. Yeah, you should. It's actually really good. And I've listened to, I think I, I listened to your most recent episode actually, and you had um, your friend as a special guest. It was Monica Padman and you kind of gave a little bit of your history there where uh, you had said that you would kind of do, I guess you would do improv in, uh, was it in her living room? Yeah. I think or something for eight years. And I was like, yeah. wow, that is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Monica is, she's the co-host of, uh, the armchair expert mm-hmm. podcast with Dax Shep, Dax, is that his name? Dax Shepard? Is that his mm-hmm. name? Okay. And, uh, he, <laughs> Uh, but before she started <laughs> doing that podcast, we, we were just improv teammates. And, uh, mm-hmm. so we just did many, many years worth of shows for like an audience of five people. Uh, mm-hmm. and we would do improv practices in her living room in her apartment for like a decade. Uh, <laughs> and then you see some of these people we are like, Oh, like one of my teammates, uh, got a job writing for, some sitcom or one of them becomes mm-hmm. Monica Padman, like famous podcast <laughs> host. And you just kind of, if you stick around in the city long enough, your friends who you just did all this stuff with for free 
start all of a sudden like getting paid to do their mm-hmm. entertainment and art stuff. And so it's exciting to kind of watch people get these things. And you all have such a shared history that you create through doing stuff uh, for the love of it and not just for the money part of it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it was fun to have her on the podcast. Nice. Yeah. And also, it's just interesting to hear because it sounds like you kind of have a similar um, start to um, David as well, where you kind of started with improv, you know, and I hear this commonly when I talk to other, you know, because I have friends that are actors as well that are, you know, either aspiring actors or they're working and they also say the same thing, like they usually get their start in improv, kind of open acting classes. That's super interesting to me. Yeah, I I think that uh, any sort of live stage performance is super useful, whether you're going to try to be an on-camera actor or a voice actor, Mm -hmm. anything where you're going to act in a situation where there's not an actual audience there. It's really useful to have... um, built up some instincts mm-hmm. for how an audience might respond. <laughs> so if, cause if you're doing um, a lot of the voice acting stuff you do, there's no, you, the other actors aren't even there with you. You're totally by yeah. yourself. Maybe there's an, there's like an engineer, maybe a director and that's maybe there's like two other people just like hanging around eating snacks. And so you're, <laughs> you do something and you hope that it's going to be funny. You're not hearing any laughter, but you have to have some instinct of like, okay, yeah. back in the day when I would perform in front of an audience, would this type of thing feel like it would make people laugh? And sometimes it mm-hmm. wouldn't make people laugh, and you'd learn from <laughs> that too. You'd go like, oh, that didn't really work, and then you just kind of keep rolling. But it also builds yeah. up like a thick skin so that if you mm-hmm. do something that fails, it's not a big deal. Because uh, every single session for voice acting or any type of acting you're not going to do one take of every line and they're just like, you're a genius, you know, moving on. They're always going to be like, "Uh, can you do that again? But like louder, faster. And (laughs) I didn't really believe it. So could you do it one more time? (laughs) And then you go like, you go, yeah, yeah, sure. And you have to just not care about that at all. And it's way easier to do that and not be afraid when you've performed for, you know, a room of whether it's five people or 200 people or a thousand people or whatever. Then when you have to do it in front of, one person or two people, it's just not as scary as when you're doing it from a full auditorium. So mm-hmm. it's really useful to have those skills. And to jump on the improv thing, um, especially the type that I think Daniel learned this also that I learned, which is long form improv. This isn't the whose lines yeah. it anyway, get the jokes out as quickly mm-hmm. as possible. Absolutely. Long form is more about building relationships, building characters, building story, um, not trying to be funny just letting it come. And Mm -hmm. specifically what we learned is called truth and comedy. To me, it was the best acting class I took because you're pulling from yourself. You're not, you're not trying to reach out and fake stuff or make stuff up. You're pulling from your own experiences and emotions and that can do nothing but help uh, with your acting in general, but especially with your voice acting. And now I think the Daniel Griffin can back me up on this. Almost every audition we get says, Bring, mm-hmm. well, they're not allowed to say improv anymore. They say make it your own. <laughs> uh, bring your bring something else to it. So it's a tool set that can do nothing but benefit you. And on the other side, mm-hmm. it's also fun. It's a great time. It's it's um I my happiest moments were not even necessarily on the improv stage, but the people that mm-hmm. I would hang out with. At like the I think every improviser will tell you. The funniest times are not on stage, but when you're hanging out with your friends at a bar or backstage or around, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. when you guys are doing bits and trying to one up each other or just have fun. Like that's, (laughs) it's a community and it's a good time. And that's, that for me, uh, is like, I I haven't been around the theater for a long time and I feel like I've actually suffered performance wise because I haven't been working out and keeping sharp Mm -hmm. as much as I'd like to. 
Yeah. It's kind of like real life improv in a in, in sort. It's yeah. best, yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of like real life, but still a little bit more towards towards improv, but connected with your friends and uh, buddies. Sounds really interesting. Cool. All right. So let's hop on over to Griffin here. So Griffin, uh, just give us a little bit about your background with voice acting, how you started, and if it was something that you always wanted to do. Yeah, uh, I uh, had a similar start. I, I started in theater um, at a very, very young age, but I, I, I kind of just did it be because I thought it was fun. I, I didn't take it too seriously until around high school. Uh, that's when I started doing uh, musical theater and choir. Uh, I started doing improv and one-act plays. Mm -hmm. And that's where I really fell in love with the art of acting and, and kind of uh, figured out that, like, oh, this is something that, like, I wouldn't mind doing because even like the boring parts like um, in a musical, there's a week where um, uh, called tech week where in the lead up to mm -hmm. that, they have to have a day where they block out all of the lighting, which means you have to be on stage in your spots, but you're doing nothing. <laughs> the lighting guy is going through and adjust and programming the entire board to run for the show. Um, and I just remember just having fun that day and, and joking with other people and keeping everybody you know, invested and focused and all that. And, and that was sort of mm -hmm. the, the first realization, that like, oh, I, I could, I think I can do this. Like, if, if the boring parts can be fun, then I, maybe I can do this. And uh, I went to college and uh, started studying computer science, thinking that's what I wanted to do. Uh, but I was also pursuing uh, acting at the time. I, mm -hmm. I had saved up a little bit of money and I had this extra free time that you have in college. And I'd always been interested in voice acting uh, ever since I was very young watching cartoons and, and getting mm -hmm. into anime. So I bought myself a microphone and uh, just started going for like auditions that I found online and doing things like that. I ended up getting connected to a studio out in LA. Uh, I interned there for a little bit, met a casting director. They uh, threw me a bone and, and gave me an opportunity mm -hmm. to be in the show that ended up on Cartoon Network. And that was sort of the start of my professional career in voice acting. Uh, a year later, I, I made the uh, permanent move to L.A. and um, started, um, yeah, just started pursuing things. And uh, mm -hmm. it's been four years now, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my that's my background of in acting and how I got into voice acting. That's amazing. I actually went to university for computer science as well, and it did not go well. So I switched <laughs> programs. Yeah, I mean, it's a subject I was interested in, but it, it takes, mm -hmm. um, it, like I said with the theater, like you've got you've to kind of be there yeah. for the, the mundane and boring parts. And with computer science, it's a lot of just like, you know, scrolling through code and looking for yep. a discrepancy and then debugging and, and testing and truncating your code into, into <laughs> simpler algorithms and knowing a bunch of math that I just don't particularly care yep. for, discrete mathematics and a lot of things that I was like, okay, I, 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 I see these other people just staying up all hours of the night doing it, yeah. despite how difficult it is. I'm struggling <laughs> to, to be there and to, to be present and to really care. So I think I should, I should pour my time into something that I would actually like, you know, be all right with. Definitely. Yeah. Currently, this is my daily life. Coding, debugging, uh, problem solving, and <laughs> fixing things. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I, I just don't know why I bothered to do computer science because I'm, I'm such an 
artsy person. So it was kind of like I, I was denying myself that because I chose to do that. I did end up switching after, but it was kind of like I should have just went for it immediately instead. But I mean, you know, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, I had this idea in my head that I had this idea in my head that I had to pick, do something more practical so that I could facilitate yeah. the impractical thing. Uh, but now <laughs> that I've done this for four years, I, I looking back, I'm like, no, it, it doesn't really work that way. I mean, you should have as a creative person, I think you should have some pretty like down to earth, practical, conservative things you do, like in terms of <laughs> your money and your daily yeah. routine and when you get up and go to sleep. But if you're going to pursue something creative, like you have to pour all of your your time and effort that you have at your to spare into that, because n there's no straightforward, you know, start here, move here, roll the dice, Absolutely. Go, go to this place. It's 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 pretty sporadic and all over the place and you could end up you have no idea where you're going to end up in your career or how you're going to make that connection so absolutely i did take some acting classes they were super enjoyable because i aspired to to do acting so i'm in i'm in canada i'm in ontario so most of the vo like the acting roles are in toronto so i had like i've traveled there to do multiple auditions haven't gotten anything yet but you know it's it's a grind right that's the thing you just you just have to you know do the audition do the best you can. And then I treat it kind of like if I get something, then it's it's kind of like uh, a surprise. You know what I mean? Like I, I try to leave and then not think about, um, oh, man, you know, I gave it my all and I think that I did a good job and I'm, I'm definitely going to get it, you know, because then it's kind of like I'm setting myself up for disappointment if I don't get it. So I just kind of it's like out of sight, out of mind. I do it. I leave. And then, you know, if I don't get it, I get it. If I get something, I'm I'm like pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have friends uh, or uh, other uh, colleagues who I'll talk to, and they'll be like, "Oh, I spent like an hour on that audition," and I'm like, "Ah, that's a terrible idea." They're like, "What?" But I have to give it my all. It's like, yeah, but I don't think they mean it literally, because because yeah, with voice acting, it's in any audition really. Like mm -hmm. y y our job in a lot of ways, um, you know, David and Daniel were talking about this. You know, we we have our space to do our auditions. And that's like 90% of our job. Like when we have sessions and we have recurring stuff, mm -hmm. awesome. But, you know, the majority of what we're doing is just submitting ourselves for potential mm -hmm. work. And, and, and that's, but you have to kind of recognize, well, if that's the job, then that's it. Like it can't be, if you're holding out hope for every little thing you submit, you know, yeah. um, it, it's, it's not, it's not going to do anything for your confidence or your, uh, absolutely um, or your longevity because you know you're going to submit for like 90 percent of the things you submit for you're not going to get i mean and that's yeah. that's a that's a mm -hmm. that's a good number like if you're booking 10 percent of what you're <laughs> auditioning for then hooray like good for you absolutely um, but yeah yeah even sure. if you book it you know i'm i'm just like wow i booked something <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> let alone if i end up getting it so i i actually did do some auditions for voice work for um it's uh echo s mod for final fantasy uh eight actually i don't know if you know do you know christian sakanan he's a voice actor um as well and he's the he's the voice director actually for suno mods which is it's like a modding community for final fantasy games um on pc because you can download and install mods and change which changes things to the games so there were some roles available. So I did audition for a bunch of those. Unfortunately, I didn't get anything. But just going back to earlier, um, I, I feel like I did uh, like these creature sounds. I'm one of those people, you know, and there was nobody to tell me how to do this. So I'm just I'm just going to go for it. So I kind of did 
some weird like creature sounds. I don't know. I can do weird things with my voice that I didn't even know <laughs> that I could actually do till I started recording. I was like, wow. I was like, who knew? Okay. Anyways, so there's that. That's one of the best parts about this, by the way, to interrupt, is discovering things that you can do. <laughs> like, I still don't know all the things I can do yet. And that's kind of part of the exploration of the process. But yeah. when you figure out, oh, wow, I just made that sure, sound. Yeah. I can do it again. That's a great feeling. So good for you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know Viz um, also auditioned for the mod as well. And you actually ended up getting a role. So I did. Yeah. So at, at first, or, or since we partnered up with uh, Suna Mods, I mean, uh, the Cosmo Canyon Observatory community partnered up with them. And then we all got roles of, uh, for NPCs in uh, Cosmo Canyon. That's a place in the original Final Fantasy VII. And I ended up getting the uh, innkeeper. Just a few lines, it's nothing big. Most of them are not really big, but a lot of mm -hmm. Cosmo Canyon Observatory members uh, ended up recording some lines for them, for them. And then Final Fantasy VIII Echo S mod rolled around and they started doing auditions and stuff. And I, I think I submitted for, for 16 yeah. NPCs just because it was fun. <laughs> but at, at, at the beginning, it was... Pretty pretty much certain that I will get the role for this German doctor, uh, <laughs> Odin. He at least has a German accent. And Swiss German is pretty close to German, mm -hmm. so it's pretty easy to um, provide this natural accent. And yeah, they were um, really intrigued by my take. And now I will be voicing Dr. Odin. Nice. Which I, I think he has pre a pretty... Uh, extensive um, appearance at uh, in a certain section of the game, so it's not just a few lines. Maybe can be compared to Tidia, uh, I think, mm -hmm. from the amount of lines. So from from the top of my head, but yeah, it will be a, a while until recording starts. But I'm really looking forward to Good it. You. Congratulations! That's great, man. Thank you. Thanks. And I haven't uploaded yet, but I'm I plan to upload my whole um, auditions. All, all 16 of them in a, in a small little video on, on my YouTube channel for everyone to enjoy. Because there, there are a few very, very funny ones in there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you did an incredible job. And it's, for me, I'm Thanks. thinking like the opportunity there to do something like this as well is, is giving us experience, you know what I mean? And I'm thinking while I'm recording these auditions, I'm, I was thinking, you know, maybe I could do some voiceover or voice acting, you know what I mean? And I have the setup here for the podcast, mm -hmm. so it just made sense to me. And it's easier because I can also just audition from home and I don't have to, you know, drive to Toronto and do it in person. Um, and it just se seemed like something that I, I you know, I, I didn't even know that I actually would even like have the ability to be able to do this. So it's a great opportunity. Yeah, same here, actually. And uh, Christian, even... Um told me that I would have the stuff that it takes for, uh, for a voice actor. And I was very, very, um, I don't know, taken aback a little bit because <laughs> I never thought this would be the case. And not really a, a, a talking person. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, it's sound weird, but apparently I did a great job. So let's see where it leads. <laughs> you did. I think I submitted 16 as well. And uh, Christian nice. wrote me and he said, well, you've got range. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get a role but that's okay you certainly did <laughs> you even tried to voice uh the um 
I think the big bad of uh, Final Fantasy VIII. I did actually, you know what? I did a, quite a few yeah, female characters female as voice. well. It was really I good. did. Yeah. I did like four female voices. Yeah, I'm like, I'm and just. Four was why it, not? Yeah. Just, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So thank you so much for sharing your background about how you got started with voice acting. We are now going to dive a little bit into your experience with Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy VII um, specifically. So. Did you guys know about Final Fantasy as a series before auditioning for your roles in Intermission? And also, have you played, you know, Final Fantasy games before? And how about if you played actually Final Fantasy VII or VII Remake? So let's go over to Daniel first. Um, so I was aware of Final Fantasy because it's just such a huge franchise. And when I was in high school, I was obsessed with the Kingdom Hearts games. And so I was mm -hmm. aware of uh, a little bit of crossover within those universes uh but i never actually played any of the final fantasy games you know proper um mm -hmm. and then when i was auditioning for this it had some sort of code name so i didn't know what the game was until i literally showed up for the session like even after i had gotten the job i didn't know what it was yeah so i was just like oh cool i get to do this thing all right i'll show up and so i showed up and they were i was like what is this by the way and they're like oh final fantasy and i was like oh cool wow <laughs> like that, that's that's exciting and then you just kind of roll with it and uh but yeah it's always fun when you get to show up and you you've heard of the thing that you're working on for that mm -hmm. day uh, but no, I haven't. I haven't played it. Um, but I've uh, since you know. I've obviously I've seen a lot of the footage of some of the cutscenes and things like that. And absolutely, um, it, it looks incredible. And I know it's so known for its storytelling. So it's exciting mm -hmm. to be part of a mm -hmm. game that um, takes such pains to develop that kind of world. It's arguably the most renowned and popular JRPG uh, franchise in history. So yeah. it's. Quite yep. a big deal, I think, for you to, you know, be be in this game. And I think it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, I hope that this, you know, pro provides potentially the opportunity for you to voice even more characters in Final Fantasy because you did an incredible job um, in uh, episode intermission. I really enjoyed your performance. Thanks. Yeah, no, I would, I would love to. And uh, it's such a huge world that there's enough characters in there that <laughs> maybe we can all absolutely maybe all five of us can show up in that universe. Who knows? Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's go over to Griffin. So same question. So um, your experience with Final Fantasy um, in general, and if you knew about your roles for intermission before auditioning and Final Fantasy VII, did you know about this game? Have you played it before? Yeah, um, I, I also grew up playing the Kingdom Hearts game, so uh, I don't know if that was my, I guess that would have been my introduction to like Final Fantasy characters, even mm -hmm. and the ones from VII specifically, because they have quite a, um, a presence in, in all, all of the Kingdom Hearts games. So that was sort of my intro, but as a kid, I, I grew up playing Final Fantasy III on the Nintendo DS, which nice. uh, didn't make its way out until many years later. Mm -hmm. uh, we R3 was six um, for <laughs> for Japan, but uh, I loved that game. Final that was my introduction to just the idea of what Final Fantasy was with the the heroes mm -hmm. and the crystal and all of that. Um, as for seven, uh, seven I was always aware of. It was the you know the the fan favorite of of the series. Uh, but for whatever reason, I, I just kept missing it. Uh, it was hard to find physical copies of it for the PS1 when I was growing up. Uh, I grew up on the PS2, so I never got to play it on that platform. 
Um, I played Final Fantasy X. I uh, was less of a fan of that one, but uh, <laughs> um, my introduction properly to Seven was actually when I started acting. I um, I ended up auditioning for um, the the first game, the uh, Seven Seven remake. Uh, I auditioned several times for I think most of the main cast and some of the uh, some of the supporting cast, and then ended up getting brought mm-hmm. in to do some background um, uh, voices for the game. So just characters throughout Midgar and uh, some of the mm-hmm. some of the uh, Shinra soldiers and different <laughs> things like that. So uh, so I got to be a part of the first game. Uh, never got to play it. Um, just didn't end up. Um, grabbing it when it first came out. I, I want to say another mm-hmm. game came out at the time, and I was like, sorry, guys, I got to play that one. Uh, but I don't <laughs> remember which one it was. Um, uh, Resident Evil 2, I think, was around there. It wasn't Resident Evil 2. I might have been late on another game, and I was like, oh, I got to play this. But, um, yeah, so I I knew what it was when I got the auditions just because I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is... I, I recognized some of the characters and I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I'm always <laughs> mm-hmm. sneaky. I'll, when I get an audition, I'll be like, all right, who is this? Click, 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 click. And I'm like, ah, I see what this is. Um, so, um, and then the, the, we, the next round went out and it was for characters I didn't really recognize, but I knew it was something to do with Final Fantasy. Uh, and I remember specifically auditioning for Jija and, um, and uh, feeling comfortable in the role. and. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then getting it. It's it's really cool to be a part of the the Final Fantasy, uh, universe, multiverse. You know, each of those games are very <laughs> separated. Uh, but um, no, it's 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 really really cool. Um, it's it's up there with just the these long running JRPGs that are just renowned and super well known, and it's exciting. Um, I've gotten to play a little bit of uh, of Integrate, and I'm having a, a ton of fun with it. Nice. You're in for a treat, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I finished episode intermission. It was incredible, honestly. And like I said, you guys did such an amazing job with these characters. And I I don't know, it just feels like this world is so huge. And, you know, the ability to have these new characters um, added to this world, it's just, I think, a huge opportunity. And why not, you know, have these new characters that add to the story and add to the world and just the lore there. And, you know, um, like I said, I think you guys did an amazing job. And I do love these three characters. And I feel like I, I hope that we will see them again, hopefully in the in the future so that, you know, you guys can, you know, take up these roles again and, and be in the next, you know, however many parts this series is. We don't even know um, at this point. Yeah, I'm looking forward to to hearing more Polk, Billy Bob, mm-hmm. and uh, Jijie. <laughs> and Nayo, of course, but she's not here, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, so let's move over to David. So, David, same question. Your history with Final Fantasy and uh, potentially Final Fantasy VII specifically. Did you know about your, your role before, uh, I guess, you were auditioning for it? Like, did you know it was for uh, Billy Bob and for Final Fantasy? Sure. Um, so I'll start my history. Like, as Daniel said, you can't be a gamer and not know final <laughs> fantasy um and i've been, i've like i've been gaming since the atari 2600 but there were always gaps uh where like i didn't have a nintendo console until the gamecube so i missed mm. out on one through six um i didn't get my first playstation until well after seven eight nine those came out so i think mm-hmm. my first actual game that i played was final fantasy 10 on the playstation 2 um okay 
and then didn't play another one again. And then, so I wouldn't uh, necessarily call myself like I, I, calling yourself a fan of something. I have too much respect for that to say <laughs> that I was a fan of Final Fantasy. I, again, I, I was aware of it and obviously respect any franchise that's been around that long and is so loved. You have to respect it. Um, the audition, I can't, I honestly can't remember if I did a first round of auditions mm-hmm. where I may have also auditioned for, for Polk and a couple others. I don't remember. Again, I'm old. I forget things easily, but I did get <laughs> my audition. I feel said you. Billy Bob. It had a character description and it actually, <laughs> I don't know if this was a mistake on their part or, or the intention. It had the code oh. name, but it also said final fantasy seven. Um, so oh. I knew, I didn't know in what context the game had already been, the remake had already been out. So my first assumption was, okay, maybe this is for part two. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. So I did it and, and sent it in and um, a couple months later got the part. And I'm trying to, I didn't ask during the recording if it was for a DLC or for a second part. I just, I just did it. And then mm-hmm. uh didn't really think about it again until they made that press release where they announced the cast and explained what it was and like, Oh, okay. We're the, we're the first DLC. That's, that's pretty awesome. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, that's, that's, I think I answered your question. Yeah, you did. Thank you so much. Okay, good. Sure. <laughs> um, but just to tack on to them, like, yeah, being a part of this universe as we call them now, like, uh, like number one for me would would be like to do anything Star Wars related, like just to be in that, but mm-hmm. to also get a chance, especially early on in my career, to be a part of such a loved and respected franchise. Like I don't take this lightly. I have friends who are fans of the game who are mm-hmm. who are really like you. You don't understand how big of a deal <laughs> this is. So I, I'm I'm appreciative. Yeah. I'm appreciative of opportunities like this to talk to fans and and people like you who love the game so much. Um, so I'm kind of like really kind of enjoying this process and yeah of obviously i think we'd all love to come back and do do more stuff but uh it's not really up to us <laughs> absolutely uh, if you fans really love love you guys really love avalanche yes guys let let square square know yes yes absolutely <laughs> avalanche <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's such a, like um, you had said previously, it's like a huge community, right? There's like, yeah. these games are huge uh, themselves and they're incredible games. They have a huge following as well. And they have these huge communities um, where, you know, people like us, I mean, we created this podcast around this game and we spend our time not only playing the game, but also spending time, you know, doing the work and and the research and analysis, um, that's more Viz because he's got, you know, apparently <laughs> this huge uh, magnifying glass when he slows down every single trailer to like one millisecond and picks everything out. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we have this community and it's a huge community and it's a hugely accepting community as well. And I think that it's absolutely incredible to have you guys as part of this community and for you to take the time out today to come and also just talk to us here on the podcast, you know, and being so open to that is uh, really, you know, it means a lot to Viz and I and uh, to, yep. you know, our listeners as well and the community um, because it's... it's and I... I, I- I got to say, sorry to interrupt, but I'm kind of glad that, and, and I think the other guys will back me up on this, is when you go in the studio to do a role, you're just focused on your character, mm-hmm. the scenes, your line, you're getting it right. If, if I had in the back of my mind, holy crud, this is 
Final Fantasy VII and, and the amount of attention that it was going to get, it would have, you know, I would have froze. Like, part, you know, we did our job and it's out there and now comes, yeah. oh God, I hope, you know, this community, I hope we don't mess up this thing that they love. <laughs> You yeah. know, like there, there mm-hmm. is that little pressure about that. Um, and luckily, I, I think that's maybe also one of the reasons they don't tell us necessarily right away because they don't want that, you know, clouding our performance at all. But, you know, it is a thing. It's like you guys love this so much. And I, I personally don't want to be the person to to mess it up for you guys. Oh, my gosh. No. Well, fair, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> so some fans can really be. uh heavy on on the mistakes made but they, they mostly direct their anger at uh square enix themselves or the uh, the developers i hope that's yeah. true i mean like there's yeah. too many horror stories of of voice actors getting harassed and everything just for because true, the character didn't come out the well, way the, yeah. the 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 fans want and that's not the the, the your, that anger is directed towards the wrong person i mean the voice actors yeah, hired to do a job they're directed a certain way and they give the best work um they're rarely the person at fault if things don't come out the way you expect. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It does, it's yeah. kind of like a double-edged sword with this, you know, because like Final Fantasy fans, you know, we love Final Fantasy, um, but some of us like might love it a little too hard, you know? Um. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> and that's like anything too online, especially too with the internet. You know, it's Twitter, it's it's like that, you know, and um, yeah, and the same thing with us, you know, I just try to focus on the positive and try to give back to this community and do the best that, you know, same. Uh, we can to, to just provide quality content for our listeners in the community. And, you know, people say what they say, and I just, you know, keep going, basically, <laughs> just kind of push <laughs> forward with that. Good. Well, I hope I hope most of the community is as understanding and as nice as you guys are. <laughs> and if not, they just, then just avoid them. Try to avoid them because <laughs> okay. uh, in, right. I'm I'm really lucky that that my community is, is is really nice one. We barely have any troublemakers there. Everyone is nice, <laughs> so we can uh, have chat with each other and uh, poke fun at each other and talk about everything in a calm manner and discuss it and. It's really, really good. But I've heard about uh, squabbles, yeah, as we said, on, on Twitter and other places. There are certain forums that uh, contain a few bad apples, let's say. Mm-hmm. Sure. But that's everywhere. Yeah, you can't, absolutely. You, you can't uh, avoid this, probably. But if, if the most vocal are positive, and if the, the majority that you see on, on, on the internet and in discussions and on podcasts that are fair, let's say, then it's good, I guess. It's what we want. Absolutely. All right, so just moving on here. So we are going to talk a little bit about our episode intermission questions for you guys. So I just have a few questions here. So did you have contact with uh, other intermission cast members before, during, or after recording? And based on, I guess, just when you guys had arrived, I'm going to say no. (laughs) (laughs) beforehand we we didn't okay. no uh because again all these projects are so secret yeah most of the video games we work on we don't know what we're getting into mm-hmm. exactly until we get there and we are, we're all recording separately for okay time management purposes and just uh ease of production because we're doing 
sometimes hundreds of thousands of lines. Oh, right. So um, after mm. after I finished recording and the first trailer dropped, I recognized some of the voices in the in the cast. So I I reached out and and congratulated friends of mine mm-hmm. who I, I recognized from uh, from intermission. Uh, but other than that, no, we um, I mean we're all, we've all sort of been. Uh, huddled, huddled away in our own little boxes and and homes for the past year and a half. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so no, we we haven't gotten too much time to uh, interact with each other uh, outside of something like mm-hmm. this. So did you, you guys re- like? Did you record your auditions remotely and then you submitted them to Square? Or I guess did you do that and then if they told you you got the role and then did you have to go to a I guess a a, a studio right? So basically, yeah, I think everyone just probably recorded on their own uh, for the like the audition mm-hmm. and just like normally send it to an agent. The agent sends it to the whatever production is actually putting it together. And then when you get cast, you just have a call time. So you go in and like some people would have multiple sessions. Some people would just have like one or two sessions and you go in and you're the only actor in the studio. Um and you're just doing your lines and you're watching video of the scenes right. or whatever's happening. Sometimes there was no video. But uh, you're getting a sense of what it will eventually become a part of. But you're not actually the way that you would if you were like on, you know, a TV show or something where you're uh, there's other mm-hmm. actors and you're, you know, interacting with people. Usually you're you're maybe you're hearing a little bit of. Uh, if it's something like, if it's a pre-existing character, maybe you hear like the original, like Japanese mm-hmm. actor. Uh, but otherwise, you're kind of just doing your own thing, and then hoping it all kind of comes together <laughs> when they edit it together. Because a lot of times you're doing dialogue with people that you're recording totally separately, and you're just relying on the the voice directors to um, kind of patch it yeah. all together and make sure that if someone is if someone's reaction line is like, "Why are you so angry at me?" <laughs> You hope that like the thing that came right before that is someone being yeah. angry. <laughs> Otherwise, it just like won't make any sense. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a lot of it's just trust and just committing to whatever the voice directors are asking you to do because they're the ones kind of overseeing to make sure it all makes sense. Yeah, f- uh, for sure. And they're they're also in charge. They know uh, how things have to be done, and you don't. So you have to trust. <laughs> Otherwise, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't really work. I guess. Yeah. I think some productions don't have um, voice directors, right? So I guess it's more open to your interpretation with the role when you're when you're recording, or that's what I've heard anyway. <laughs> well, some some sm- some smaller productions, uh, and this is true of like commercials too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you'll have a, someone directing you. Sometimes you're literally <laughs> just they say record on your own, and there's literally not a person in the world listening to you <laughs> record. And so I'm you're just in your home studio recording, you know, a bunch of takes of the lines, mm-hmm. uh, and then you send them off. And sometimes they'll have redirects or they'll ask you for pickups on certain lines. But sometimes they're just like great, and they just wanted options. Um, that happens all the time with. Um, Narr- like any sort of narration, right. like corporate narration stuff or commercials where you just do like three takes of the commercial mm-hmm. and they're like, great. But for bigger productions where there's much more money and media and all these things at stake, then usually there's a voice director who's kind of uh, overseeing right. it and they're a little more hands-on with the process and they'll bring you into an actual studio rather than have you do it at your own home studio. And mm-hmm. so there's just like much more involved when you're dealing with a, a bigger um property yeah. i guess like final fantasy 
So did you go to the Square Enix like headquarters in Los Angeles to record? Or was it like a separate studio? It was a separate studio. Oh, like okay. a voice it was a like a voice recording studio that does lots of other games and commercials and they just are kind of like a all purpose oh, nice. recording studio. And they had taken over one of the rooms uh to be kind of like the Final mm-hmm. Fantasy oh. room. That's amazing. Um, so next question is, did you, any of you audition for other intermission characters, um, or just like the one that you ultimately ended up receiving? I, this is David. I, I, like I said, I don't remember. And I was trying to go mm-hmm. through all my old auditions and emails <laughs> and everything. Cause I, I have a vague memory that I did because the email said we wanted that I got for Billy Bob said we're, we're doing a second round of auditions oh. for Billy Bob. Uh, and I, I just like couldn't remember if I had done it before or not, but I'm just going to go with and say that this Billy Bob was the only one I got mm-hmm. just because that'll increase my batting average to say that I didn't get rejected <laughs> for Polk. Um, so yeah, I think Billy Bob was, uh, was the only one I had to go for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got, I audition. I remember auditioning for, um, Sonon as well. Oh, okay. Uh, I can't remember Ooh. if I auditioned. For, I want to say I auditioned for Billy Bob and, and Polk, but I don't remember mm-hmm. what my audition I don't remember auditioning for them. Mm. I do remember auditioning for Sonon. Mm. I don't think I auditioned for other ones, but I'm looking up now <laughs> on my computer since I'm in front of my computer. Um, yeah, I don't mm-hmm. think so. But again, like I like I was saying, is like it, it was code names, oh, so I see. you're just you're not really paying attention to what you're auditioning for because you just you might be doing 20 auditions a day or whatever. So you're just like. Oh, you see the same thing come up, and you're like, oh, I guess it's multiple mm. roles for this game, and you're just not really overthinking it. So, yeah, definitely. Oh no, okay, I've I've found <laughs> I auditioned for Billy Bob. Nice. <laughs> I auditioned okay. for for Weiss or yeah. Weiss. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, That's I awesome. Think that might nice. Be Sonon, Sonon. There's a Sonon audition for me out there in the wow. world. <laughs> I think, cool. and I think that's it. So yeah, I, but you know, it's just they're they're all. Uh, when you're auditioning for them, it's literally no different than the McDonald's commercial. <laughs> then you also audition for that day. It's sort of like you're just throwing out a bunch of stuff and then you'd never think about any of it again. Like I have no memory <laughs> of doing any of those auditions. I probably, if I listened to them back, I'd be like, I don't remember saying those <laughs> words. It's, it's, it's sort of uh, you, you throw a bunch of stuff out and when something comes back to ask you to actually be a part of it, it's just a very pleasant surprise, and then you kind of uh, yeah. commit to it from there. And I'm going to take from that that I beat out Daniel for the role of Billy Bob, so that makes me <laughs> so. And you're and you're going to say that after you just one what? second earlier were like, I'm going to say I didn't audition for Paul. I did, oh, I'm, I, I'm looking for it. I can't find. Amazing. auditions but uh-huh. if you want to say that yes uh-huh. you can say you beat me out for Polk, but I'm, I'm holding my look this is all i got Daniel. Look, they probably they probably they, they, they sent you the audition for polk and you were like no nah, i prefer billy yeah Bob. i mean uh, that you does happen we, we get auditions for a whole bunch of characters and if i don't feel it uh i'll yeah. skip it but I, God, I don't know why i wouldn't i don't know i don't remember that's I'm amazing you were, you were born to be billy I, I really was so i'm just gonna go with that definitely but what I find really interesting is when uh, listening to the voices in the game itself, just from uh, who they are and how they look like, I would have swapped the voices just from my perspective. But other, uh, but kind of now it also makes sense because Final Fantasy really, really tries to subvert expectations a lot. So this, I think that's, that's what they were going for and it really worked out. Absolutely. Because it, if you read the... Uh, 
description for Billy Bob, it says he's the most experienced one, but he doesn't show it. He just pretends to be just some some random guy that he isn't clearly. So it yeah. does, does make sense that he doesn't really sound like what he probably looks like or something. Yeah, and I've I've since seen the final product, and it's one of those cases where, okay, the choices I might necessarily have made as an actor, but I was directed this way, and I trust mm. the director, I trust mm -hmm. the people behind the game, this is what they want, and I hope I gave them what they wanted, and um, yeah, you kind of have to divorce yourself from that. You have to divorce yourself from what you expect or think uh, that you think it should sound like versus right. what they want. Um, and hopefully, uh, you give them, you know, the, the perfect jobs are when they, those things mesh, but yeah, in this case, mm -hmm. it was, you want him to sound a certain way. Great. Uh, and then it's my job to make him do that. And, uh, hopefully I did that. Oh, for, uh, for sure. Yeah. Because he could also sense that he really cares about the people. He's a really good dude. And that's, it, it showed in the voice, I guess. <laughs> Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> Did it say in the in the character description? I guess that he's he drinks a lot because <laughs> that yeah, came out. Yeah, he drinks a lot, but never never gets drunk. He drinks everyone under the table. Wow! And even some NPCs say that. <laughs> yeah, it it's it basically said that he's as comfortable. Uh, I don't know, building explosive as he is throwing one back at the bar. I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's where he gets his intel. After yeah. All. all right, Viz. So it looks like you have some questions here. Yes, I also have some questions. Um, what was your favorite line in the intermission DLC? If you remember, that is. <laughs> <laughs> Putting you on the spot oh, here. <laughs> I'm tied between. I'm tied between two. I I love. I, I do love telling uh, 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 Yuffie that she reeks of trouble. Uh, oh yeah, that's that was a, that, that's a good one. <laughs> mm, that that was a fun one for me. And then uh, I love when uh, I'm distracting the. The, the guards, I'm just like, look, a Moogle! Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the silliest thing. It's really silly, but uh, it worked. It's amazing. Yeah. Those two are for definitely my favorite. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have almost no memory <laughs> of, any, of any of the lines, but I am looking up, uh, I have the audition sides in front of me right now. And so, you know, the first line listed is, yeah, he got here three days ago. <laughs> Which to me is a really meaningful line. Uh, you know, it, 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 I just think that <laughs> speaks yeah, to the Yeah, but who are you talking about? Do you remember who you're talking about? <laughs> you know, that's really, a, that's really a question for the voice director. <laughs> they kind of put knows? that together. That's like, that's like a, yeah, that's a, that's a post-production question more than uh, <laughs> for me. But yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, he got here three days ago. Wow. That sort of tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just rolled with that. So yeah, that's meaningful. I mean, the, or you, the, who could forget the other, uh, the, <laughs> the famous line, so bring any luggage with you? <laughs> So that's a good one. I too. love that one. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> My favorite moment, uh, and this is credit to, to the game makers and the editors and everything, was when she shows up, she goes through her whole speech again for the second time in the game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Men of Avalanche, we got this. And there's that pause where we're all just staring at her uh, like, okay, you're weird. And then uh, <laughs> I follow it up with, wow, you're ready to rumble. Um <laughs> So I like that. And then for some reason, obviously it sticks out is, uh, ow, my teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, eating that eating thing. That thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eating those beans. This leads into the next question. Would you, as a voice actor, not as the one you played at, 
eats the Dutch bean that you you're given? <laughs> well, not that I've seen Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like she's the only human who could apparently eat them without, you know, severe physical pain. Um, but I like to think I'm a, an I'm a I'm a explorative eater. So I yeah I would try it. If you can swallow it whole, I would definitely nice. would not chew it. <laughs> but if you but if you could just like take it like you're taking an Advil or something, yeah, maybe. Then, then maybe that way, but I don't know. I mean, but if your stomach can't, <laughs> if your stomach can't break it down, yeah, it's gonna be tough be... coming out on the other end. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah I just would maybe play it, play it safe and just, uh, you know, let Billy Bob take it. Yeah, I mean, hey, it, I trust Yuffie. She's given us beans. Yeah, Yuffie, she's hungry, so give her all the beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course, we were we were the dumb ones who she hey puts a bean in our hand. And of course, we're dumb. We stare at each other and. Then just, <laughs> Put it in her mouth yeah. without asking any questions. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, but, hey. um, Chi doesn't eat it, but <laughs> yeah, he's a nope. smart one. No, no, no. Yep. I, uh, I, I wised up. I was like, I don't trust you. You see, yep. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about you. <laughs> Can't put my finger on it, but I'll. Yeah. Or just tell. saw the others writhing uh, in pain. So yeah, I not. Yep. <laughs> That's so interesting because they all tried to bite into it, but. Yeah, I guess why not just you know swallow it whole. <laughs> We're not the smartest in Avalanche. <laughs> All right, so moving on to our next question. So, if you were your own character in Midgar, would you be playing Fort Condor? So, Fort Condor is the mini game that was kind of revised in this version of uh, Episode Intermission. It's a mini game from the original. Um, I don't know if you guys have played the original um, Fort Condor mini game in the original game, but if uh, you know you today, would you and you were in Midgar, would you play it? Probably. I think I'd yeah, just be yeah, trying to get probably. food. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> food. I don't. I think, from what I can tell of the world, I it's unlikely that I'm, I'm in the the one percent. So I'm just gonna be like, oh man, how are we gonna eat today? <laughs> yeah, uh, you have bigger fish true, to fry. True, yeah. yeah, that's you, true. You don't have time I have for, no fish to fry. Actually, uh, <laughs> no fish to fry. You're imagining thinking about fish to fry. But. Exactly. <laughs> from what little I've, it looks like you don't have a choice. Like you have to play Fort Condor if you live right? in that area, right? Absolutely. Group pressure, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Peer pressure. Group pressure. Ooh, so yeah, I guess, I mean, I probably, if I was forced, then sure, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would play, but I think, uh, yeah, otherwise, maybe I'd be like, you know, trying to start some sort of, uh, I'd probably be focusing on like my battle skills. Yeah. I think I'd want to do that more. Mm. Like I'd want, if I was going to oh, yeah. get really good at like a mental like strategy betting game or get really good at swordsmanship, mm. I think I'd want to like put in the time with the blade. Yeah. Better join the neighborhood watch. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the next question is the process of finding your character's voice in episode intermission. Just kind of talk about the process, I guess, of, you know, finding this voice for this character. Obviously, you know, there was a voice director that gave you direction. But is there any, you know, characters that may have inspired you to, you know, give the performance that you gave? Uh, I just kind of followed the the character description. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for my character, he was just you know, kind of laid back and kind of just yeah, whatever. All right, cool. Yeah. So I I just kept it, and they said he was a younger guy, so I just kept it to my voice, and then just changed the attitude, which is what I do for most most things that aren't like cartoons or right. or like sort of 
out there animation. I don't I don't do much in terms of a, a voice. I think of it just more as like, okay, if I'm playing this character on camera, like how am I, you know, how mm-hmm. am I, how do I move? How do I stand? Like, what's my posture? Yeah. What? How do I kind of what 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 face do I wear when I, you know, talk to other people and face the world? Uh, and that was just sort of my approach mm-hmm. to my character. Yeah, I think for me it, it was a similar deal. It's like when when you know you're playing a sort of teenage aged person that gives you some clues as to you know the the parts of your voice that you should allow to come out. Also like your diction, like the the way right. that you might not uh sound as properly educated. Like even when we did like I had never met um the voice actor that plays Sonon before, right. but we did an interview with him a couple, like a week ago. <laughs> yeah. And his voice is just ridiculous. Like, it's just so precise mm-hmm. and so interesting and so, like, um, careful and kind of, uh, even when he's speaking off the cuff. Mm. And so that communicates so much more worldly wisdom that would be totally inappropriate for someone like Polk, who's yeah. like, the whole point of him is that he's like the little brother of the crew who's kind of just uh, around and trying to fit in, but he's like young and he likes his board game. And so I think that um, being aware of what qualities you naturally have mm-hmm. in your voice that you can bring across, whether you naturally sound young or old or educated or not mm-hmm. or whatever, you can emphasize those things. And then other and then other than that... Um, I think a lot of it comes from just this the scenes themselves. Right. So like if you're in some sort of um, battle oriented scene, then you're thinking about like, okay, I'm the young kid mm-hmm. who's like doesn't have probably a lot of world experience. So if I'm in a battle, this is probably my first battle. So what's that going to be like? Because it's different than someone who spends all their time in the military. Um, and if I'm hanging out with a bunch of people who are older than me and we're all just sitting around talking, um, maybe I want their attention or maybe I want to kind of ingratiate myself or kind of make them laugh. Uh, but I'm definitely not going to be leading the group because that's just mm-hmm. isn't my group role. So you're kind of taking all these clues from the, the way the scenes um, are written and, and you kind of use that to inform your confidence level as a character and all these different things that can go into the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, like, like we guys, we had the character description and so forth to go off of, and, my, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the audition now, and it, it said his vocal quality should sound as laid back and casual as his personality, you know, as mm-hmm. his personality, um, some texture and vocal fry is welcome. So, uh, and they also sent reference of the, of a similar uh, oh. type of character. Um, and oh, I also, nice. I think, sent me the Japanese lines to kind of, play off of which is mm-hmm. you know good and bad it gives you kind of a sense <laughs> of what they're going for but um you still kind of bring yourself into it and so it just i just kind of launched into it and the voice went naturally a little bit higher um and i i, t- I gave them one read where it was just my voice and, and just interpreting kind of what i thought he was and then i did another one where he was more slacker kind of california surfery uh, type voice to it uh and then i booked it and i didn't know which one they wanted until i got into the booth uh, and i actually had to ask i said i'm sorry excuse me i did two takes which one do you want and they played back my edition and said that there it is that's the, um we want the mm-hmm. first one you gave us and then worked a little with the director just to kind of find the right tone and, and nuance to it and then we were off and running so mm-hmm. that was kind of how our process went it, it's a little difficult when you get these auditions and you and you don't have kind of the things that most actors want which is um, 
the motivations, the wants, the those kind of yeah. things. Because it's very hard to act a description. Yeah, you know, you can't absolutely. really portray a character description. You really have to. It's motivations and emotions and stuff. So, in that kind of instance, you just make a choice. Um, if it feels right, go with it. Um, the only wrong choice is no choice. So, yeah, that's kind of how we how I worked it. And I've heard that before as well about asking, you know, like, what is the truth of this scene? What is happening in this scene? You know, to get an understanding of, I guess, what the character's uh, current situation is in the scene. So you can kind of put your mind, you know, inside of the character. Like, what would they be thinking? What would I be thinking, you know, if I was in this situation and this is what was happening to me as a person? And then you kind of go from there and work with that. And uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, an incredible strategy going into it. All right, guys. So now moving on to our next part of the podcast here, we are going to be asking you some questions from our listeners. All right. Our first question, which was submitted by the wonderful Rima Vell. So she is asking, has anything changed for you since the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate and Episode Intermission? Have you watched any people playing the game and seen like what the reception of your character was? And obviously you kind of touched on this a little earlier about how, um, you know, you had to watch people play the game because you either don't have a PS5 or you weren't able to play the game. So have you seen people's reaction to, you know, your portrayal of the character? Uh, I actually watched uh, both Susie uh, and Alex separately stream mm-hmm. uh, the game. Uh Alex, I have to give him a little bit of a hard time because it took about 40 <laughs> minutes to technically get it uh, working. But, um, you know, I didn't want to in- interfere too much with their streams because it was mm-hmm. really them. But I-, I enjoyed watching it and, and seeing uh, people really... They showed a lot of love to Susie and she deserves it. She, she carries this, this thing um, on her shoulders and she did mm-hmm. a really, really great job. And you're, you're watching this really nice, like almost quiet girl playing the game and then you listen to her acting and, sh- and she's just a powerhouse. So, <laughs> um, as far as personal life changing, no other than, um, you know, I get to do things like this, which I haven't done before. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but other than that, uh, no, <laughs> pretty much the same. Yeah. Similar. I, I, I think it's like the changes are just, um, you have a few more people reach out online or, you know, a couple, like I've had a couple friends who I didn't know were big Final Fantasy heads who then just will message me and be like, you're in this? What? <laughs> like, whoa. And so that's always fun when someone, when one of like someone, you know, from mm-hmm. non-acting life, uh, appreciates something that you are doing in your, the acting part of your life. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you know, you just get back to auditioning and <laughs> get back mm-hmm. to your other sessions and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's fun to see when, when fans and friends, um, enjoy your work yeah. and it's fun to do this kind of stuff and, uh, and meet some new people that, uh, are involved in, in making this mm-hmm. kind of work. Yeah. I've got a lot of friends who are huge, um, anime and JRPG nerds. So they, they were very excited to. Uh, some of them knew it was me before the in- official announcement oh, okay. was made. So some of them messaged me, and I had to, I had to be like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> or just say nothing. Like really? I had to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> yeah, huh? Yeah, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't sound like me, but all right. Uh, although I've had that with other games. I've had some. I think when was it Smash Brothers? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, someone thought I was Marth, and I was like, that's guys, that's clearly not me. 
They're like, it's got to be you. I get that sometimes for when a game will come out. Someone will be like, you're in this, right? You're in Code Vein. I'm like, I'm, I know. That's, I wish. But, uh, <laughs> I get that with commercials sometimes too. People will be like, oh, yeah. I, I, I heard you in a, a Domino's commercial. I'm like, you heard the guy who takes yeah. all my work <laughs> from, yeah, in a Domino's commercial. <laughs> like whoever beats me out for the, all the Domino's commercials. Like, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I don't know who sounds like me who gets them. But it's funny, funny when that happens. I don't get that a lot, but I'm looking forward to it. Um. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you guys so much for answering that question. We have another question here from one of our listeners, uh, Tyler. So Tyler would like to know if you interacted with the Japanese voice cast at all. Uh, no. No. I <laughs> no. Aside from just being inspired by their work, because mm-hmm. they, play, they played their stuff for us in sessions. And so that, you know, they did the performance first. So okay. We're basically, you know, doing our own kind of version of that. Um, but yeah, a lot of properties that come that either are first made either in Japan or Korea yes. or China or any even like European stuff. Anytime you're dubbing something, mm-hmm. um, you're influenced of course by the people that that did it first but the interesting thing about this particular game is it's not like a true dubbing thing because the mouth movements weren't already animated so they even though we had uh, the voices mm-hmm. the original voice performances in our ears we could still kind of do our own thing and then they would animate the oh. mouth movements of the visual characters to what we did so um so there was a little more flexibility than there'd be in like a true dubbing mm-hmm. of like a TV show or something. Okay. Yeah, that definitely helped, I guess. <laughs> All right, and another question here for Dan. So our question is from Peeps Nibbles, and she would like to know, um, I guess, how you started your podcast. So we did talk a little bit about your podcast um, earlier on in the episode, but how exactly did you get started? How did we start? Well, it was one of those things that I think a lot of people uh, started podcast during the uh, quarantine, <laughs> during the pandemic, because it's just it's 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 a way to um, stay in touch with your friends. Mm-hmm. And for people who perform, who who are used to doing live performance, you just I, I missed uh, feeling like I was making something that an audience would interact mm-hmm. with or see. And so. And I missed comedy. So I, even though the podcast is just like me and my two comedy buddies making each other laugh it's still for me it's an audience of two and it just happens to be my two friends and then they're making me laugh too so it kind of felt like i was getting back in touch with doing mm-hmm. live comedy again so uh yeah just started it during the podcast with friends who i thought who who we all you know have worked together for so long so mm-hmm. we have a rapport we already had a shared interest in movies and we wanted a good excuse to watch like the the great right. great movies that are sometimes we wouldn't we wouldn't go out of our way to watch uh, and so, yeah, then we just started it and that's all really it takes. It really takes just the, it's more about just having the, the want to do it. And then the technical side is not that hard. You can learn that. It's more just about making sure that you want to keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, at this point in the podcast, Griffin had to leave due to a previous commitment and was not able to answer the final listener question. So there is another question here from Peeps Nibbles as well. So. Um, apparently she heard about this hilarious bathroom story or something and she was asking (laughs) (laughs) if you can kind of give us the rundown about, about that story. So we would show up, I think it was the same for everybody. We would show up at the studio. Uh, we'd be greeted by a very nice 
person to kind of show us, okay, here's this and this. And then if you need it, uh, we have a dressing room for you. And the dressing room just happened to be the woman's bathroom. And I think it was, was, I'm sure it was the same room for everybody, but our names were on the door. Uh, and we had the full run of a, uh, a woman's bathroom all to ourselves. It made us feel it was for me, it was the first, like, I've never had a trailer mm-hmm. or any kind of, that kind of thing. It made me feel kind of, uh, special. Um, <laughs> and I'd also, I, I, I'd been to this studio before for other things, okay. it, not during quarantine time. So like, this is a pandemic situation. Yeah. Like they wouldn't have done this <laughs> if it was not for the pandemic. Cause I've definitely been there and uh, it's just a bathroom, right? <laughs> but because of the pandemic, they they had cleared out the entire studio so that like one actor at a time can come in, even though there's like, you know, seven different mm-hmm. booths. They're not running any of them. They're just like running one at a time. And so you come in, they take your temperature and all this stuff, and they're just like, and we have a bathroom, and it's entirely, <laughs> it literally is a sign on the door. It's like you're the only one allowed oh, in this bathroom. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it was, yeah, it was, um, oh my gosh, it was special. And, uh, I'll, ne- I'll never, I'll never forget that. Bathroom. <laughs> and I'll probably, and I'll probably now that the quarantine is kind of, you know, yeah. ending, I'll probably never end up in that bathroom yeah. again. If it's a women's bathroom, like <laughs> yep. ch- chances are, I mean, never say never, but chances <laughs> are I probably know. won't be back there again. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could just imagine to you like going in and your name's on this specific bathroom and you're like, wow, I get my own bathroom. <laughs> wow. This is, like, wow. this is, I, I made yeah, it. Exactly. I finally made it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is why i did this (laughs) yeah (laughs) i went to drama school for this moment (laughs) absolutely (laughs) all right so we're gonna just ask you some general questions here um so have any of you ever voice acted characters from other video games uh yeah i have uh so i i do i play uh ezreal in league of legends Mm -hmm. um and uh, I've done smaller n- games and smaller characters and stuff. The two biggest ones, I'd say, are League okay. and this, I would say. yeah. Um, first off, like, massive props to you being Ezreal in League of Legends. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm horribly jealous of that. Oh, that's um, <laughs> you can only see me in two other games. One that isn't even uh, available anymore. Like, my first game was one line in something called uh, Sea Fortress Epic. Battle of Fleet, so, I don't know, some mm-hmm. sea battle game that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but I'm also a couple NPCs in uh, Genshin Impact. Nice. Oh, nice. And, and that's it so far. That's awesome. So do you, any of you play or watch media that you've voiced in in general? I know that obviously you've talked about, you know, with Final Fantasy, but in general, anything, like, do you tend to watch it well, or I, not? <laughs> I, I, I dove into Genshin uh when it came out and, and mm-hmm. gave it a good a good solid month but oh my god that game is <laughs> huge and i've fallen behind and uh it's just that i i don't have as much time to game as i would like to um mm-hmm. having uh, a day job and a family and everything so the gaming moments are precious but uh absolutely I, I, and then again if you're saying do i play stuff i'm in that's my only other option uh, that and now <laughs> um i can't i can't even play integrate because i don't have a ps5 but uh, right so you know i'm sure daniel sits at home and plays ezreal like all the time <laughs> yeah yeah and even if i'm not playing i just like i created a podcast that's just my voice on loop so i just walk around <laughs> listening to my own performances going like wow i look at what i did <laughs> i believe that wholeheartedly. Uh, <laughs> uh so 
yeah, so I, I, I watch, I don't have a problem watching or listening to stuff mm-hmm. that I did because after a certain point, especially through doing just so many auditions, yeah. you just end up hearing your own voice so much that you lose that kind of feeling of like, oh, I hate what I sound mm-hmm. like. It just, it, you just become so desensitized to it. I, I think, the, um, yeah, I don't, I, I played a lot of video games when I was in high school. I don't play as much mm-hmm. anymore. I think it's just busier, you know, and, and, with uh, jobs and yes. life and st- stuff, it's just it's hard to keep doing that. Um, the couple times that I've watched, so the the couple times that I relate to just like playing something that you're in or watching something that you're in, uh, I did a few episodes of the show Arrested Development when uh, it was like for doing its first Netflix season, mm-hmm. and that was a show I was obsessed with in college. And so if, even if I hadn't acted in it. I 100% would have been watching it. So that was really like that. And I had done an episode of The Office too. Wow. And that was a similar thing where I, where I was like, nice. oh, yeah. And so where I was like, if I would have probably watched this even if I wasn't in it, but the fact that I'm in it is that makes it kind of crazy because you're showing up to act in something that yeah. you are, you know what the set looks like because you've watched the show. So those are the closest that I kind mm-hmm. of relate to that idea. And yeah, it's it's certainly weird. <laughs> and also it, like it definitely breaks the show for you in a certain mm-hmm. way because you're just like, oh, like they're just uh, people on a set who we ate lunch together, and <laughs> <laughs> it just like it makes everything very normal instead of being this like yeah. mythical uh, TV land world. Yeah, I was obsessed with The Office um, for a while, so I have to go back and watch it because I want to see you on on The Office. I've already seen you, but I just I want to go back now have after like having this opportunity to talk with you and just watch it again, you know. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know which episode I did, or have you? No, I don't it? know. Okay, so I can so I can guide you, so you don't have to awesome. just like uh, <laughs> search all around. <laughs> do you remember in the in the ninth season, the last season of the show, the Halloween episode? At some point, the acapella group here comes trouble oh. comes to visit the office, and so I was the main guy in oh, that group. I remember. So that. I'm the one that like yeah, who who's kind of hosting that show and Amazing. talking to Andy. And all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. I totally understand what you mean, though. For me, it's kind of similar. I don't know what you, if you feel this way, Viz, but just, you know, being in our own content and then mm-hmm. like hearing our voices, we kind of have to kind of get past that. You know what I mean? After a while, because I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, I just feel bad for people because I have to hear my voice for that long, especially like our spoiler cast episodes. Sometimes they're about four hours long. And I'm like, every time at the end, I'm like, you know what? I just want to apologize to all the listeners out there that you had to listen to me for <laughs> like four hours, you know? And my friends are like, how can you hear yourself for that long? Especially too, when I'm editing and I'm like, you know what? You just have to kind of just put it out of your mind. I I can't help what I yes. sound like. This is the voice I have, you know. So I'm just working with what I got. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a self acceptance. I mean, that's so much of what acting is. Is you have to, in order to act on stage, you have to have some belief that whatever it is that you're bringing to the table yeah. is worthy of of an audience watching. And so you have to just be like, all right, I'm gonna do my best to. Uh, own what I have and just try to yeah try to maximize that for the sake of this story and and that's the best you can do and hopefully they want what you got you know like this is what I got yeah and if you want it okay <laughs> yeah and if they don't there's so much other stuff that they Absolutely. could be watching or listening to and I advise them to change the channel <laughs> <laughs> so I went for a role in Dota 2 I didn't get it uh-huh. so 
go play League. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I'm exactly. in League. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So um, what's your favorite piece of media in general? Obviously, Daniel, like you have your, your podcast um, with movies, like talking yeah. about the Holo- um, Hollywood classics or the golden era of Hollywood. Um, so what's your favorite piece of media? And also, not even just Hollywood movies, but it's like the the stuff from the foreign films mm-hmm. are just so good. And I think people get so intimidated. It's, it's the same way that, like, you know, Final Fantasy is a Japanese game. But, you know, it doesn't... Obviously, like, you have English-speaking voices yes. that then get put in, like like we did. So it makes it more accessible because you don't necessarily have to read the subtitles and all that kind of stuff. But just as great video games are made not here there's great movies made not here as well and it's so worth watching them even though there are subtitles um and especially because a lot of foreign films they're not um they don't have the same pressure to have to make hundreds of millions of dollars yeah. in box office so they're way more able to take huge risks and do really weird stuff that's really eye-opening and cool so uh for me yeah my favorite media stuff is usually those kind of old movies mm-hmm. so I love uh, Ingmar Bergman. I love um, uh, Kurosawa. Oh, nice! Of, of like modern, uh, modern, I, of modern directors. I love mm-hmm. um, Werner Herzog. Obsessed with him. Obsessed with David Lynch. Okay. Um, I just saw last night my first movie back in theaters. Seeing something back in theaters, I saw at um, a revival theater in L.A. They were playing Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master. Um, and it, that was so fun to be back with an audience and, and see that in a big screen. So yeah, all the people that are making, they're really trying to use movies mm-hmm. to make, uh, art as much as they can. I'm, I'm always so thrilled Absolutely. by that. Uh, I'm generally what people would call a basic, uh, kind of like all the things that most, mm-hmm. most people like, I like to think that I can extend myself and, and same, like the curse I was, uh, the, like heavily influenced me when I was younger, Stanley Kubrick. Um, but yeah. the the movies from my youth are really like your your Star Wars, your Ghostbusters, your um, yeah. Blues Brothers, like the the comedies of the of the eighties. Uh, that first Saturday Night Live cast, once they broke out in the films, is really mm-hmm. kind of what sits home with me. And then it's, I've also been trying to get back into music. Like when you're in a band and it and it doesn't go the way you necessarily plan. Like I, I kind of had a sour taste in my mouth about music for a minute. And so I'm trying mm-hmm. to slowly find and you know, things that I like, you know, I always have the stuff that I fall back on my, I'm a big soul music fan. Otis Redding, Ray Charles, mm-hmm. um, the early rap of, you know, tribe called quest and BC boys and run DMC and those kind of things. So mm-hmm. as far as I'm trying to find current stuff to like, and yeah. it's, I've I thought, you know, we all do this when we're kids or say we're never going to be like our parents and not yeah. know what's cool and hip. And I became my parents <laughs> and I don't know what's cool and hip. And, you know, I can either be OK with that or I can try to learn like what uh, what the kids are listening to these days. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you on that one. I'm a big music fan as well. And I feel like I've kind of fallen off the bandwagon with like what everybody's listening to. Um, I just kind of listen to things that I enjoy listening to and that I that I grew up with you know what I mean and I said the same thing I'm like I'm never going to turn into my parents I'm never going to I'm going to listen to everything all the time um but I guess it's just maybe my my taste has changed or 
I don't know. It's just there's so much uh, music being made, uh, especially today with technology, it's more accessible. And with things obviously like Spotify, it's a lot easier for people to be able to publish their own music um, and also for us to kind of find stuff. But you have to put in the time, I feel, to actually like investigate and research and find something um, as opposed to, you know, what's just being funneled to you. Uh, as well as net, this can be said as well with Netflix and their algorithms and everything, you know, just kind of feeding you things because they're tracking what you what you like. But I would rather like to see it kind of change where they'll show you stuff that, you know, you might that's different. All right, guys. So what was your favorite role thus far? Hmm. Favorite role. I mean, probably what I was saying before about. uh the office arrested development just because it there's something kind of special about acting in something that you mm -hmm. are uh, already a fan of yourself uh that's very satisfying also i mean some of the favorite roles i've done have been plays and not necessarily even because of um the product of the final you know thing of the uh, how the play turned out mm -hmm. a lot of it is just the experience of being with the cast and um, the friendships that come from it and, and all that stuff is incredibly satisfying. So w when you're acting and stuff, you hope that the product is good and that can contribute to whether something is your favorite experience. But so much of your experience is not the final product. Mm -hmm. Most of the experience of it is, you know, the, all the time spent making the thing. Uh, whereas when you're a viewer of something, your entire experience is the product. So mm -hmm. it, it's very different. So a lot of my favorite things are just because of the people I met in making the stuff. I, I have much less to choose from than Daniel uh, uh, as far as games yeah, go. Yeah, you have like improv. Uh, you could say like a lot of your favorite yeah, I mean, creative I got, things could be improv. I, I got to spend eight years with the same improv team on the main stage at I.O. And that was uh, called Redshirt Freshman. And it was, it was mm -hmm. some of the best times i got to do a play uh about in, in like 2013 or so i haven't done a play since high school and i did a play at theater west and here in los angeles um that reminded me uh of the experience of, of of theater and actually working with a cast and building up the show and spending so much time together mm -hmm. and the camaraderie that you built through that uh it's, it's kind of irreplaceable where voice acting is great i love it i'm honored that i get to you know when the when they say yes and I get to do it, but it's a very individual art form. Um, whereas theater it, it allows you to have that camaraderie and to mm -hmm. work off of people and and to build those type of relationships. So, uh, yeah. Aside from 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 voice uh, voicing Billy Bob, I, I would say mm -hmm. yeah, either improv or that show that I got to do. It's amazing. All right, guys, so that concludes today's episode, our Avalanche HQ Roundtable. I just want to take a second to say thank you so much to Daniel, David, and Griffin for taking the time out of your, I'm sure, incredibly busy schedules, especially now with, you know, episode <laughs> intermission and, and Integrate is released. I'm sure it's just, you know, super busy for you guys. So I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out to sit with us to talk about this incredible game, um, a little bit, you know, about your history with voice acting and uh, as these characters in episode intermission. So thank you so much. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. And it was a blast yeah. to have you on mm -hmm. to uh, finally talk with you and learn a, a bit more about you, your your interests, your backstory, and who you are, actually. Yeah, thanks for having us. It was, it was fun. Seriously, yes. Thanks for having us. It was an honor, and uh, hope we can talk to you guys again. Absolutely. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so. 
All right, guys. So if you have any ideas for our up and coming episodes, you can write us. Our email is thereunionpodcast at gmail.com. Thereunionpodcast at gmail.com. We do have a Discord server, and the link to our Discord server is listed in the description of every episode. So all you have to do is click on that, and you will be automatically added to our Discord server. We do have a Twitter account, so if you haven't followed us yet, go ahead and follow us. It's at reunion underscore podcast. We do do consistent posting and we actually do some pretty amazing giveaways. So you want to check us out for everything Final Fantasy 7 and 7 remake related content. It's at reunion underscore podcast. We do have a Facebook page. It's reunion podcast. Our YouTube channel is the reunion podcast. Obviously, don't forget to like subscribe, write us a review if you feel so inclined. It is the best way to support us here on the podcast. All right, so David, do you have any up-and-coming projects that you would like to plug or, you know, list your socials so our listeners can check you out? I, I don't, so I'll tell everyone to listen to Daniel's podcast. Um, <laughs> my <laughs> social is uh, VO for both Instagram and uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, I wish I had more to plug, but uh, I'm so, again, go listen, go listen mm-hmm. to Daniel. He's, he's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, so um, because David uh, told you to, please go listen to Stone Cold <laughs> Classic uh, podcast. Uh, it's very funny, uh, and we make movies that would otherwise be a little stuffy, a little bit mm-hmm. more accessible. Um, and so I, I think it'll be a good entree into into some really good art work out there for you guys. And then, uh, yeah, I'm on social everywhere at, at Daniel Ammerman, and so you can find me there. Cool. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Griffin Puatu. That's G-R-I-F-F-I-N-E-O-A-T-U. Um, I've got a couple of shows on um, some streaming services you can watch. You can watch Tokyo Revengers on Crunchyroll, Star Season 2 coming out July 15th, and Tresse on Netflix, uh, which is an original um, horror mythology anime you can watch. But uh, thank you guys so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you so much again, guys, for taking the time out to sit and talk with us today. Um, I know Viz and I were super appreciative. And um, thank you so much again. And uh, have a great rest of your day. And hopefully we'll chat with you again soon. Thank you again. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. This is super fun. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.